15. Again, we're in a, in a message series looking at all the awesome <laughs> truths that are found in John 15. I mean, it's amazing that the truth that if we just take the time to really look at what God is, is giving us in His Word, and again, and praise God for the Word of God, uh, that when we, when we take time to look in His Word, that, man, it is just so full of truth, and uh, it really helps us out in life if we just allow the Word of God to speak to us. So, again, starting at verse number 1 of John chapter 15, and if you're able to this evening, stand with me. I'm going to read uh, the first few verses here in John chapter 15. So the Bible says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except that abide in the vine, no more can ye. Finish it with me, except you abide in me. Let's pray, and we'll jump into what God has for us this evening. Uh, Dear Only Father, again, we just thank you. Lord, so much for being an awesome God and a Father to us. And Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy and Lord, your forgiveness. Lord, thank you that Lord, we have a, another evening, Lord, where we can come together and fellowship. And Lord, thank you so much for the time where we brought some prayer requests to you. And God, we are trusting you to work in those situations and circumstances, God, and we need your help. But now as we open up the Word of God, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would guide us into all truth. And Lord, uh, help us to be yielded to your leading and your direction as you provide us what you have for us this evening. Again, Lord, we thank you so much, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, if you're accustomed to taking notes, today we're going to, this evening, we're going to be looking at the thought of abiding in Christ, but abiding in His purging. Abiding in His purging. Now, uh, Alana, do you know what purging means? No. See, that's a, that's a big word, right? Well, purging means... To really, Alana, ready for this? You know how we have the big bushes out there. Remember? Do you remember when Mr. Kevin came with his big, big trimmer? What did he do to the tree or the bushes? That are trees. I mean, they really are trees. What did he do? He cut them. Why? They were too tall, right? And to make them and shape them and get them where they need to be, right? Well, that's purging. It's it's shaping, it's molding, it's making. Do you remember, Tyler, when we play with Play-Doh? What do we do with it? We mold it and make it to what we want, right? And I know Megan's really good at that, too. She's got those little little uh, colored pieces of clay, and she makes all kinds of cool stuff. And if you have a request, I, I suggest you put it in because she'll make you some really nice little trinket. And then you bake it, and it, and it pops out. Well, purging. When we look at the thought of purging, it is. It's God molding, it's God making, and it's God working in our lives. And to be honest with you, I sometimes don't enjoy the purging process because sometimes it can be painful. Amen? There's a story of a uh, missionary who was in Lebanon and was kidnapped at gunpoint by Shiite Muslims in Beirut. And during his 16th month imprisonment, he was constantly threatened with death. Now on the first night of his, his captivity, one of, the, of his abductors commanded him to face the wall and pretty much told him to take off his blindfold and put on a pair of ski goggles 
with the eye holes covered with thick black tape. So all the light was completely obliterated. And in Ware's mind, Benjamin Ware, the sun had set, and he later wrote in a diary, In the twilight there came to my mind the hymn, Abide with me, fast falls the evening tide. He said, I felt vulnerable, helpless, and lonely. I felt tears in my eyes, and then I remember the promise of Jesus. If ye abide in me, my words abide in you. Ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And so he writes, I prayed, Lord, I remember your promise, and I think it applies to me too. I've done nothing to deserve it, but receive it as a free gift. I need you, Lord. I need your assurance and guidance to be faithful to you in this situation. Teach me what I need to learn. Deliver me from this place and this captivity, if it is your will. If it is not your will to set me free, help me to accept whatever is involved. Show me your gifts and enable me to recognize them as coming from you. Praise be to you. Again, for the next 16 months, Benjamin Moore's hopes and joy was found in the fact that he was not simply abiding in captivity. He was abiding in Christ and thus able to bear much fruit. Now again, we're reminded of the hymn again that, that he brought comfort in this time of incarceration with these captors. So that the hymn, if you, if you may know it, but the hymn, it says, Abide with me, falls fast the evening tide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpless fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Amen. So what's interesting with this thought of purging, and if you look at verse number two, every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. What's the purpose? What's the purpose? That it may bring forth what? More fruit. So again, for the Christian to bear much fruit, to bear more fruit, we've got to understand that the Master, that God our loving Heavenly Father, is going to purge, is going to work in your life, is going to work on those attitudes, <laughs> work on those actions, work on those things that trip you up, right? Be why? Because, again, He's the Master. He's the, as verse 1 says, the husbandman. So, again, not many people want the purging, but everybody wants the fruit, amen? I mean, if we were to look at the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. I think all of us here would say, who would love a relationship that has those things, that has love, that has joy, that has the meekness, that has the temperance, right? You know, maybe even at work, right? You know, who would enjoy, you know, co-workers and, 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 and maybe even ourselves or maybe the boss to have the love, the joy, the peace, the love. I mean, right? You know, what about our community, man? It'd be great if, if this world was filled with love, joy, peace. Right? All those things. The fruit of the Spirit. But the thing is, the purging is a necessary part of the fruit-bearing process. Now, what's your favorite fruit? Anybody got a favorite? What's your favorite fruit? Uh, green grapes. Grapes? I likes the green grapes. Who else likes the green grapes? Anybody like the green grapes? Who likes the purple grapes? I like the purple grapes. Who likes just grapes? Yeah. Well, it's funny as we were reading the story of the Promised Land, how the Israelites went into the Promised Land and they came out with the grapes... And it literally says that they carried one cluster between two men. I mean, that would be, I mean, I, we were joking with Alana. I was like, Alana, can you imagine that? It took two men to carry one cluster of grapes. I mean, that, the grapes must have been like, you know, a basketball or something. That'd be, it's like, here, want, want a grape for, who wants a grape for breakfast, right? You know, forget grapes. Who wants a grape for breakfast? And, you know, oh, this is amazing. But yeah, grapes are amazing. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else have a favorite fruit? Strawberries. Oh, man. Ooh. 
Strawberry shortcake. Mm, come on now. Yes, Megan. Pineapple. Pineapple. That's real. Man, that's good too. Now, if you eat too much, though, it messes up your tongue, right? You, you can't taste anything for a week. But again, you know, so with fruit, we all know where to find it, right? And, you know, we, we go, we pay for it, we take it home, we eat it. But again, the fruit doesn't just magically appear in the grocery store, does it? I mean, we all know that. I mean, but it doesn't. And what's funny is I actually had a... Uh, a boss who made the statement about hunting. He's like, I do my hunting in the grocery store. <laughs> you know, he wasn't a hunter. He's like, oh, man, I do my hunting in the grocery store. I mean, but again, even the meat doesn't get there on its own. I mean, with, with fruit, with the local grocery store and fruit, it, there's a process involved. You know, with, with the planting, with the watering, with the cultivating. George, you should know all about this, right? With the growing, right? The growing, the harvesting, and transporting of the fruit. You know, from the orchard, from the, you know, from the different farms to the shelf. I mean, it's a process. And, and so it goes in the Christian life that... Fruit just does not automatically appear. And again, I, I think this is a point that, that needs to be brought out. Yes, it, there can be an appearance of fruit. Man, that's easy, right? You know, when we're around and we walk in the doors, you know, there can be a, the appearance of fruit. But real fruit just does not appear. And if it's not real fruit from an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, the fake fruit's not going to last. You know, like those, flat, those, you know, the plants back there. They look great, but then you get a little closer and you realize it's not real. So again, in the Christian life, it's a process. And according to the word of Je- words of Jesus Christ in this passage, if a child of God is going to bear spiritual fruit, we must understand and we must be willing and ready to accept the rigors of growth. We must understand that, that the obstacles that are placed in our path are not always obstacles of of discouragement or obstacles of, of you know, distraction or obstacles that get us off maybe what our plan was or what, you know, our perceived idea in a situation was. But those opportunities or those obstacles are opportunities for us to reach our full potential as a Christian. Now, for growth to occur in any plant, what has got to take place? Tyler. And in order for a plant to grow, what do you need? Water, sun, not colder but warm. Time, yep, yep, all those things. Now, again, what's awesome is for a believer, just like the planting has ingredients, what's awesome is there's ingredients for Christians in order for them to grow too. Psalm 1 verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in a season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, this rivers of water that, that the Bible speaks of is what's interesting is, is the, life, the life-giving water of the Word. And think about it. For a believer to grow, there's got to be time spent in the Word. There's, there's got to. I mean, it would be, it would be crazy for us to think that we could grow fruit or a garden without water. Well, it's crazy for a believer to think that there's going to be spiritual growth without spending time in the book. Amen? The washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I mean, but the, the, the Word of God is important. And if we are to be planted, and if we want to see fruit, we have got to be on our Word. And, and so the question you've got to ask yourselves is how much time did I spend in it, right? Look, I understand. Trust me. Life happens to all of us, right? We've got schedules. We've got to eat. Amen. <laughs> We've got to eat. 
But I was reminded uh, from this this one this one. I remember this uh, individual came spoke at our church, and he made this statement. He says, "I try to follow this one rule in my life to help me with Bible reading." And he said, "No Bible, no breakfast." Right? You know, and he started proceeding. You know, to no burrito, no Bible, you know, no Bible, no burrito, no Bible, no burger, no Bible, no. You know, he just kept messing around with that. But for him, he was saying, "Before I eat my food." Physically, I'm going to eat some spiritual food. And so whatever it takes for you to get into God's Word, get in it. Some people do a proverb of the day. You may have heard of that. You may not have. Today's the March 2nd. So I would turn to Proverbs chapter 2 and read Proverbs chapter 2. Right? Proverb of the day. I mean, and, and what's what's funny is the shortest month is February and you only have 28 days. So you only can make it to Proverbs 28 and then you start over. And that's Okay. Right, you know, whatever it takes. Some do psalms. That's great. You know, some, as as Brother Plummer gave me this this you know this plan. That's a great plan. You know, whatever a reading plan. You know, and if we back, we've got extra copies. Amen. But you know, if you use this, use it. Get in your word. I mean, do it. What's crazy is in 2017 we've got it printed. We've got it electronically. We've got audio. You know, so if you drive anywhere, you could literally plug it in your car or, you know, in a headphone or something and, and listen to it. So just get some read in the morning, some read in the afternoon, some read in the evening, some do all three. Hey, that's great. That's great. Any, any way, any time, any place. Amen. I'm not just going to say advocate for just one. Hey, any time you can get in God's word is a good time. So, man, getting in the word, that's an ingredient. What's, what's also interesting is. The, the, the need to be planted in a church where the Word of God runs freely. I mean, we must spend time daily, but we also need to be around other believers because if you if you look at the verse that talks about the need to be in church, I think it's Hebrews 9. Is it, you know, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves as the manner of some is, but don't miss it, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. A lot of times the emphasis is on not forsaking the assembly, but we're. It, and let me just let me try to find it. So Hebrews, I believe it is. No, nine twenty-seven is. It's appointed to man once. That's that's a salvation uh, message. So ten twenty-five, ten twenty-five. Not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. But okay, so not exhort, not not forsaking. But so what are we to replace it with? But exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So the whole purpose of, of church is to encourage and exhort each other. Now, I've said this before in a message. If, if you're struggling and you don't say anything, right? We put on the church happy face, but you're struggling internally and don't share that with anybody. How are we to know you're, how, how can we help, right? How can I exhort? How can, you know, we bear one another's burdens, right? The, the verse that, that I posted on the, on the page yesterday, you know, about, uh, you know, confess your faults one to another that you may, and, and pray for one another that you may be healed. If I don't know you're struggling in an area, how can I help pray for you, right? And that's, that's so part of it is being real. Because I guarantee you when you're messing with plants, it's as open, upfront, and honest as it can get. I mean, if it, the plant's struggling, you walk up to it and you can see it. You know, if it's got bugs all over it, you can see the bugs, right? You know, if it's Maybe some disease or fungi or fungus or something or something you have to spray. By just looking at the plant, you can see real quick. And then you can help and, and, and things like that. Anyway, so church is important, amen. But 
not just a, a place to come and you know put on a happy face. I'm not saying you know come and look. The scripture clearly teaches that if one member suffer, then the whole body suffers. That if one member rejoice, then the whole body should rejoice. But if I don't, we don't know because we have a facade, we have a, a you know a fakeness about us as we walk in. How how can we help each other? And I, I really I have a burden to see that God would give us a church just with real people. Understand? Is anybody perfect? No, and, and praise God, this passage teaches us that we're not perfect because if we were perfect, there would be no reason for Jesus to say that the, the, the Father who's the husbandman purges. Amen? So, you know, we should never expect perfection, but we should always seek for encouragement. We should always seek for exhortation. We should always, again, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, preventure, you know, God would work in their life and they would, would turn away from their sin. Amen? So, this thought of purging, this thought of purging, again, it signifies the providence of God. Purging reminds us of God's divine intervention, that he's gone before us, that he's got a will, that he has a sovereign plan, and that he's in control. Amen? So this purging, so, so when, when Jesus said, I'm the true vine and the Father is the husbandman, what he was telling us is, is God is the vine dresser. God is like the farmer. God is like the, you know, the, the potter who's got the wheel. And we're the clay, amen? He's the one that molds and makes and, and works on us. And so he has the authority over the branches. And so, again, something we need to understand is, is when Jesus was teaching his disciples and, and helping them understand God the Father, he, he encouraged them when you pray, right? Because they said, how do we pray? You know, teach us how, how you pray. Because Jesus, remember the, the road the two disciples were on and Jesus comes up with them, right? And they have no clue it's Jesus. And he messes with them. But then when he prayed, their eyes were open. So he, Jesus was a, man, he's a prayer warrior. And something about his prayer set him apart from the rest. So the disciples were like, teach us to pray. And what is, it, what is the first thing he says? When you pray, say what? Our, what? Our Father, which art in heaven. Right, who art in heaven, our Father, which art in heaven, our Father, who art in heaven. So what, what is that? What, what are you getting at, Brother, Brother Vaughn? I, I'm getting at that Jesus was giving us the, the example of God, our impression of God. There's a rabbit running, and I'm thinking about shooting him. There's a book that's, that's a movie. It's called The Shack. A coworker gave it to me. I read it. It's a bunch of nonsense because it takes God and, again, Jesus said God's the Father. It takes God and makes, makes God to this guy some, you know, again, it's not that it's a negative thing, but a you know, black lady and the Holy Spirit, some Asian, it's just a bunch of craziness. So, you know, just full disclosure, stick with the book, amen, you won't go wrong. But, again, Jesus said, you say, why would you say that, Brother Vaughn? Because Jesus said, our Father which art in heaven. Jesus put the emphasis for us to understand that our relationship to God isn't some nice lady. No, he's our Father, okay? He's our Father. And the thing about it is, our Heavenly Father knows what's best for us as children, amen? God wants your best. It's almost like this. When the kids were little and we lived in, you know, a more populated area, we wouldn't just let our kids or anybody wouldn't let somebody that they know just play in the street, right? You tell them to what? Right, get out of the street, right? You, you work on, you know, the whole command and obedience factor. And that's why it's important. It, it helps them. You know, stop means stop. You know, come back means come back. 
I mean, and just like a, a, a parent would, would if a, a kid were to, you know, just go crazy and they're telling them to stop and they won't stop and they see the danger and you're going to have to run out and grab them. Yes, there's going to be some reprimanding because that child needs to understand that there's a reason for though there's the reason for the discipline that's about to take place because you weren't listening and it's not because the parents mean or that they hate the child or that they're trying to injure no they're trying to help the child to survive to the next year <laughs> and the same thing our heavenly father does the same thing i mean he, he he loves us too much to let us stay out of his will he loves us too much to let that attitude or that action remain in our life it's the truth and if you wonder why you're always having the same maybe argument or you're always having the same situation in your life or the same circumstance that pops up all the time, there's probably a reason for it because your Heavenly Father is trying to purge you. He is trying to mold you. He is trying to make you more into the image of His Son. Amen? And the Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. He, he reproves. He corrects. And scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. If ye endure chastening... God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are, then ye are bastards and not sons. So again, a Christian who resists these, these, these times in our life where God's trying to help us and mold us and make us. You know, the Christian that keeps repeatedly saying no and, and refuses to yield, I mean, he's, he's essentially forcing God to do more, to work harder. And again, as the husbandman, God can't even choose to take away the branch from the vine. And again, no church can do that. No individual can do that. But the husbandman can. But what's crazy is we don't have to resist. We don't have to get there. We don't have to, to allow God or, or, or really force God's hand into, into doing something like that. Again, that, that he taketh away. So again, John 15, 2 says, Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. So again, it's... It's easy to assume that an individual living for himself would need some pruning, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says those who are bearing fruit, God's going to work even more on you. Because sometimes, you know, it's easy to look at, well, you know, so-and-so's out of the will of God, and, you know, maybe they had something happen in their life. And I mean, because people post stuff all the time on Facebook, right? You know, someone's, you know, that they've maybe gotten out of the will of God or whatever, and you're trying to help them, and you're praying for them, and they... They post this, oh, tragedy, and you're thinking back, yeah, well, no duh. You know? I mean, what do you think? <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? It's easy for those scenarios. But what's biblical is every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. So it should come to no surprise that if, yes, man, you're doing everything you know to do, and we should, that if something hits you, it's not, we've done this, right? I, I've been guilty of this. God, can't you can't you see, Lord? I mean, I'm I'm going to church, man. I'm tired. Come on, I'm, I'm giving. We're, we're we're serving, and now this seriously? That's the wrong that's the wrong way to look at God. But if we're honest, maybe and maybe I'm the only you know wicked, violent, godly sinner that needs to get right with God. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes that's the that's the mentality that we are tempted to take. Why, God, why me? Why this? Seriously? Don't you see? Don't, uh, here it is. Don't you see what I'm doing? And that's, not, and that's not it at all. What the Bible is teaching is that, yes, even faithful, godly Christians need God's purging in their life. It's the truth. The purging may not be chastisement, right? Like this example over here that we can all point to. It may not be chastisement, but it may be God 
trying to prune you, trying to mold you, uh, trying to make you, trying to, you know, to, again, he's got his perfect will. He's got his perfect plan for your life. And he is your loving God. He is your heavenly father. And he knows what's best. And sometimes when we're in the thick of it, we get discouraged or we start doubting or we start questioning. And we shouldn't. God says that there's going to be purging. So not only is it beneficial, but it also increases the productivity of God's people. He purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. And we've all heard the illustrations of, you know, the gardener that, that goes to the tree, you know, goes to the tree. And, and there was one even, you know, that I was going to read. But we've all heard the stories about, and, and maybe even done it ourselves, where, you know, it's not producing fruit. So, I mean, you go and just whack that thing. <laughs> and then within the next year, next thing you know, it's growing again. But, but again, it, it, the purpose of the purging is to allow us to bear more fruit. That's why Paul could say in Romans 5, 3 through 5, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Why? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. The, the, the Apostle Paul was able to say that. <laughs> and think about what he's saying. We glory in tribulations also. Anybody ready? Anybody ready for a tribulation next week? Raise your hand. Anybody? Hey, you know, next week we're gonna have tribulation. Woo! Come on, bring it on. Well, how could Paul say that? Because Paul realized that as he was going through the tribulations, as he was going through the difficult times, God was working patience. If he was yielded to God's will, was working out the patience, was working out the hope within him and through him. And through that trial, God was teaching him something that he could have never learned on a sunny day. Could have never learned in a chair in a church service or a Bible college or a seminary or whatever. He needed to go through it. So this is why Paul later could say in Romans that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen. Because God was teaching him through the burdens come the blessings. So do you desire to bear fruit for Christ, I then get ready. Amen? The purging you will face will not only yield a great reward now, but a reward, a great reward in the future. And the last one is pure purging. Purging facilitates the purification of God's people. It purifies. It cleanses. It cleans up the people of God. John 15, 3 says, Now you are clean to the word which I have spoken unto you. So here the Lord Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and, and, and as no, there, there's the thought that, you know, while he's speaking, because again, this was right before the crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane, it, it's easily to uh, maybe assume here that, that in, in eyes view was a vineyard. Okay, and Jesus was preparing them for his appending death, his burial, his resurrection, and he was very interested in, in them being clean or set apart for the task at hand. I mean, as he spoke to them, he was using two different applications. In one, he spoke to the group, and then and then in the other, he spoke to them individually. And again, don't miss the fact that the group had actually just had been cleansed because who wasn't a part of the group when he was talking to them in John 15? The one who betrayed him, right? So Judas wasn't a part of the group. Now you're clean to the word that I've spoken to you. So in a group setting, in a group context, it was applicable. And you say, why are you saying that, Brother Vaughn? Because sometimes there are individuals that, that, that leave a group, that leave a body, that leave a family. It's a part of it. The, the truth is that, yes, 
He spoke to the group, but he also spoke to individuals. So even as a, as a church, God is interested in purging and, and molding and making and working. And look, I'm here to tell you, we're people. And there may be something that I say that gets you upset. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. Amen. I may say something, you know, PG County slang may come out. You may get offended. You may say something and I may, you know, respond or react in the flesh. Because I'm wicked, ungodly, vile, just like the rest. Amen? Human. Human. You're exactly right. We're not perfect people. We're imperfect vessels that God is in the work of purging and molding and making all of us. So understand that, again, the purging is a part of God's purification process. And He uses the Word of God as the pruning tool, as the shears, as the, you know, as the, you know, as that chainsaw sometimes. Amen? And Hebrews 4.12 says it this way, For the Word of God is quick, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So God's Word is what gets in there and, and, and convicts and works and eats at you, amen, and, and you know, encourages us to, to do certain things and put off certain things and put on certain things. And again, it, it, it's, it's for our good. So don't miss it, amen, that, that God is the husbandman. He's the one that's working in our lives. He's, and again, until we get to glory, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So I don't care, you know, what stage or what life journey God has brought you through. As long as you have breath, God's going to work on you. So the question is, is there a couple questions? Is there an area that God's working on you? I don't know. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But you know, you know, I know, your wife knows, your husband knows, <laughs> your children know. We know what we need to work on. Will we allow God, Tyler's whispering over mine, will we allow God to work on us? Or will we get, you know, puffed up and don't forget that he that hardeneth his neck, he being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed and that without don't be that scenario don't harden the neck you know when the light when the curveball comes don't panic don't oh the bottom didn't drop out god's still on the throne he's working in our lives all the time let's pray we'll be finished for this evening lord thank you so much for your goodness thank you for your word and we do pray lord looking at the sort of purging when i'm i'm persuaded that I don't, I don't believe there's a majority of believers that are ready to sign up for sometimes what we perceive to be, Lord, the difficult situations, Lord, the trying times. But God, I do pray, Lord, that we would be reminded of your word. Lord, again, you're our loving Heavenly Father. You're our Heavenly Father. Lord, your thoughts are thoughts of goodness and, Lord, of an expected end. I mean, just of blessing. God, you've done so much for us. And Lord, I pray that we would be reminded, even if maybe right now we're going through a difficult time, that, that God, that we would trust you. And Lord, again, just thank you for working in our lives. And God, help us not to be surprised when you start doing some more. And uh, again, just thank you for this reminder. And thank you that you do care about us. And thank you that you're not content to just leave us. And uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name.